greetings, aren't you? Yes, indeed. You know, there's an old expression out in Tennessee that says one day the great chicken fairy is going to come and lay a goodie on you. Did you ever hear that? You did. Thank God, are you culturally deprived. So let us relate. Let us relate, friends. <laughs> uh, by the way, some parts of this program may be offensive. Uh, rated D. La da da for damn good. I mean, I have no false modesty. <laughs> All my modesty is honest. No false modesty here. And by the way, speaking of uh, of uh, of uh, significant material here, which we've just got, uh, would you please uh, prepare my salute music in there, Herbert, before we do anything else tonight? We would like to salute the diehard, the diehard of... Oh, it's that one over there. Uh, we would like to salute the Die Hard of the Week. And now this concerned radio station, as it is deeply concerned with the events of the day and the personalities that make up our world, now salutes the Die Hard of the Week. A shop owner in the municipality of Curacurao, in northwestern Brazil, told authorities today... He had withdrawn his eight-year-old son from school because the boy had been told by his teacher that men had landed on the moon. We quote here, Caramba, nowadays that they teach things that haven't even happened. We quote 45-year-old Severino Salvino de Silva. He said the space trip saga and all this jazz about landing on the moon was, and we quote here, Caramba, an invention of newspapers and professors who do not believe in the word of God. So tonight, Silvano, we salute you as the sore head of the week. You stick with it. That's all hanky-panky, all a yard wide invented by Walter Cronkite and his cohorts, his toadies. We know what that's about. Working hand in glove with John Chancellor. They produce those little home movies. And them guys walking around down in somebody's basement. I know. Oh, yeah. He sounds like my old man, by the way. He always believed that uh, everything was hanky-panky. Oh, yeah. He believed to the day of his death. He really seriously believed that if the manufacturers wanted to do it, they could invent a car that would last for 300 years. He should have think they'd do that. Oh, yeah, they had a, they, he said, you know, there's a guy in, in Logansport, Indiana, invented a pill. You put in the gas tank, you get 400 miles to the gallon of water. You think they'd let that out? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, I guess Herb still believes that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, whoopee. Oh, 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 yeah, I hear you talking. I hear it. I hear it. Lay it out. Oh, my God. Oh, fantastic. Blow it, blow it. Woo! 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 Beautiful. Woo! Woo! Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, that's exciting. She. Oh, man. Hey, why not take the kids' Father's Day shopping at Huffman Coos? That'll cool you off for a while in this era of women's live. I'm reading the copy here. Economic phases and generation gaps. It's time to stand tall for Father's Day. And there isn't a more popular Father's Day's gift than a famous lazy boy recliner from Huffman Coos. That says it all about the old man. Wants to lay around all the time. Of course, a lazy boy recliner is the ultimate in recliners. They're the famous recliners that let every dad sit, lie back, or stretch out. <laughs> Luxuriantly. And in addition, lazy day boys are handsome, sturdy, and rugged, which is probably a hell of a lot more than daddy. So, 
We would like to suggest that if you would like to find out where your nearest Huffman Coos store is, they're only 189 bucks. these recliners. Call 201-343-4300 for the location of your nearest Huffman Coos. You know, it's the season. They're wonderful with a little, little sage dressing. The Huffman Coos. By the way, the Huff, that, that word Huffman Coos always gets me. It always sounds like a, either a very exotic... Uh, a uh, scale problem that happens to the skin of the feet. He's got another case of Huffman Coos, you know. <laughs> or it sounds like a 193 car, of which only four models were produced and are now fantastically rare on the foreign car market. You know, the collector's market, the Huffman Coos Super 6. Dum, da-da-dum, da-da-da-da-dum. Oh, uh, by the way, we'd like to salute, uh, once again, the truth has come out, as it often does, inadvertently. Yes, indeed. Inadvertently. A little problem happened in Okinawa. Did you read about it? Okinawa's radio stations. You know, they just uh, went back to Japan. You know, they reverted to Japan. Okinawa's radio stations got new call letters after the island reverted to Japan. And one station, including the entire staff, filed an immediate protest. It had been named J-O-R-O. Sounds kind of nice. That's a great name. J-O-R-O. Only one problem it is the Japanese word for prostitute. A communications ministry employee did not recognize what the words meant. He just stamped out the call signs, J-O-R-O. J-O-R-O. Of course, uh, that probably adequately describes the radio station, but that's what made him mad. So, would you please, one, two, three, four, we'd like to salute the truth. Can you imagine what would happen if all the radio stations got three, four call signs? <laughs> oh, that brings up a whole, a whole new thought, you know? Yeah. Now, come on, smart guy. Don't, uh, don't sit out there and make your smart talk. Uh, bring it up there. The world is flat. Hold it, hold it, hold it. We'd like to salute another guy, Los Angeles. A young man emerged from a restroom aboard an American Airlines jet. Airlines jet on a flight from Boston last night and pranced nude up and down the aisles ten minutes before landing at Los Angeles International Airport. Notice a jaybird. He just come out of the giant, ran up and down the aisles. You know, hi, whoopee, woo, you know. And uh, it caused a little excitement. And uh, a lot of people... It was much better than the movie that was going on, which was one of those interminable Doris Day types that they constantly... You know, either that or something about a lot of dachshunds running around. <laughs> I'll tell you one of the more exciting moments in our life is, is to sit in the middle of an airplane, you know, that's flying over some unbelievable terrain of the world. And this has happened to me. Here, here a few months ago, when I was on that... Well, it's only been a couple of weeks, really. Maybe a month ago, I was on that round-the-world trip, see... And we are flying over the Burmese jungles. Now, what is more fantastic sight than to see the Burmese jungles? And it was absolutely a crystal clear day. I mean, you could see, believe me, you could see the headhunters down there, you know, sharpening their knives and stuff. And, and perfectly beautiful, crystalline day. And you could see this great river snaking through the jungle. And by the way, it was the river about which the movie, The Bridge of the River Kwai, was made, see? And... Uh, so we're sitting in this plane. At, you know, we're flying at maybe uh, 25,000 feet, and it's like the whole world is spread out below you, and I'm gawking out of the window. I'm looking at the Burmese jungle. What the hell do you think everybody else in the plane is doing? That's right. They're, <laughs> they're watching Doris Day and James Garner run back and forth, say, 
And I, I kept, you know, I kept, I, I was like the guy in the Philadelphia Inquirer ad, you know, he keeps seeing these wild things and everybody else is reading the paper and he keeps seeing the fact that the world is blowing up. He'd say, hey, you ought to look at the world once. And I'm looking out of the window and I see all this stuff spread out below me, the Burmese jungles. Wow, you know, these are, these are really, these are really mean woods. I'll tell you, they ain't the kind of woods where they... You know the nice people with the with the bicycle packs go out there, you know, and set up their little fires and read their copies of the New Republic while they're sitting out there squatting around, you know, starting fires with the realists and all that. No, no, this is the real thing, see. And uh, nobody's looking at it at all. They were not interested. Then suddenly the pilot got on the on the intercom right in the middle of the movie. See. Ah, uh, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. This is the pilot, Captain Snotgrass. I'd uh, like to uh, interrupt the movie for just a moment to point out that the uh, river that we are now crossing is the river that uh, appeared in the movie The Bridge on the River Kwai, uh, starring uh, Alec Guinness. Zap! 458 heads immediately looked, because you see, the movie made it official. Now, if he'd simply said, uh, the river you see below is one of the uh, great watershed rivers of the great jungle of Burma. Everyone said, ah, shut up, knock it off. I want to go back to the movie. Nyla. See, they wanted to see, they wanted to see where the, <laughs> the movie made it a real thing, see. The uh, thing you see below us is called uh, a pyramid. It appeared with Victor Mature, and uh, also you recall that famous scene when Ivan de Carlo climbed the side of the pyramid in uh, the Egyptian emperors. Thank you very much. At the... You see, the movies make everything official for people. Uh, <laughs> reality doesn't have much going for it, except when that guy came popping out of the john, ran up and down the aisle for ten minutes, stark, jaybird naked. Yeah, that's it. Kind of, kind of. The world is really fantastic. You just can't believe it. Like, like yesterday. See, I get this new shirt. And before we uh, go on with this uh, fantastic story, uh, do you have uh, any of those little? Uh, do you have any of those little electronically recorded ding-dongs, Herbert, for us? Oh, that's a pretty one. By one estimate, there are 750,000 Italian-Americans living on Long Island. By any measure, they are the largest single ethnic group on the island, and certainly one of the most colorful. Yes, Italian-Americans are special. And this Sunday Newsday's L.I. Magazine devotes an entire special issue to the Italian-American lifestyle. Their families, their politics, their problems, and of course their tempting food. And speaking of food, Newsday food editor Barbara Rader guides you to the best new northern Italian-style restaurants on Long Island. Also in Newsday this Sunday, you'll read a revealing interview with comedian Don Rickles. A warm remembrance of Robert Kennedy by a former aide, and a probing report on Long Island's Little Leagues. This Sunday, every Sunday, be sure to get Newsday, Long Island's own Sunday newspaper. There's no service charge for home delivery. <laughs> Come with me, my darling, to the Algarve. <laughs> Hey, uh, youth types, if you want to meet the kids of Italy, take your vacation in Portugal. Because that's where the kids of Italy, France, England, Germany, Switzerland, Denmark, and those fantastic Swedish chicks take their vacations. And you certainly don't want to miss out on that. <laughs> so cultural. And uh, just so that the kids of America will not be left out of all this action, TAP, the Intercontinental Airline... 
Portugal is introducing a special youth fair. Only $210 round trip economy airfare to Portugal. And the ticket is good for one year. Anyone under 26 and over 12 is eligible, is eligible for this thing. And, uh, you know, you can cool around the uh, Portuguese scene, the wine country, the ancient castles. Uh, soak up a little uh, culture on the beach there. In the Portugal, the prices are incredibly low. So call your travel agent. Make it a fantastic summer. Call your travel agent or TAP at 421-8500. I mean, that is a great deal when you think about $210 round trip to Portugal. And you got a whole year to use the other half of the fare. $210 youth fare to Portugal. Go where the European kids go, Portugal. Hey, by the way, <laughs> you, can't you see all these old duffers wearing their, their, their fake afros and all that? <laughs> what do you mean? I'm only 18. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Herbert. Thank you, thank you. This is W.O.R. New York. Imagine what they'd call us if they changed our call signs. W.O.R. New York. And uh, listen, speaking of, uh, of New York, we have a very special announcement for you at this moment. And I want you to listen very carefully. A very special announcement. Do you live in a culturally deprived area? Does your local record shop carry only teeny, screamy, pimple music? Well, if that, <laughs> that's a great phrase. If that is so, I want you to listen carefully. Uh, a lot of guys have written to me over the past six or seven months that they could not buy my new album, the Mercury album that I turned out. You know, most record shops are like bookstores. They only carry about nine of the top-selling things, and that's the end of it, and a lot of uh, Snoopy cards. So uh, here's, here's the scene. You can now get my new album, The Declassified Gene Shepherd by Mail. And uh, you can cheer the Signal Corps' most exciting classified medical film. You can thrill to the turnpike trauma. Hear the United States Army march right through your living room. And uh, there's a lot of other stuff. Staggerwing Productions now makes available by mail this record, the declassified Gene Shepard. So to receive your album, here's the story. Send $5 in check or money order. No cash, no stamps. Check or money order addressed to Staggerwing. Staggerwing, S-T-A-G-G-E-R-W-I-N-G, Post Office Box 271, Village Station, New York, New York, 10014. And by the way, the price includes all handling, postage, and tax. That's $5, check or money order, to Staggerwing, S-T-A-G-G-E-R-W-I-N-G, one word, Staggerwing. That's a great name. Post Office Box 271, Village Station, New York, New York, 10014. Send today. Tomorrow, you can wreck every head in your neighborhood with the declassified Gene Shepard. Staggerwing Productions, Post Office Box 271, Village Station, New York, New York, 10014. Okay? You know, that's a fact, though. Uh, uh, that's you know, why they, these people came to us. You know, the reason they're doing it is because uh, very few record stores around the country carry anything other than pop music these days. Uh, very few comedy albums. You know that, Steve? Very few spoken arts albums, but a heck of a lot of Snoopy sweatshirts. <laughs> oh, the Snoopy world has taken over. Let's see, we got a couple of other ding-dongs here before we go any further. How about uh, General Tire? You got that one? Yes. If you're looking for tires, you don't have to look any further, friend, than the big red General Tire G. From sports cars to sedans, compacts to king-size cars, 
Boy, those kings drive big cars. General Tire makes the tires you need at prices you can afford and you can charge them on General's Auto Charge, Master Charge, or Bank AmeriCard. General Tire, your one-stop headquarters for tire and automotive service needs. General Tire, with a big red G, has stood for quality for over 56 years. Now, let's see. In Jersey City, ask for Mike or Sonny at Cole General Tire Company, 362 Summit Avenue. That's Mike or Sonny. That's for what are you? Hey, Sonny, you got them new tires? Kind of do that accent, right? Hey, you know, uh, I, there's a lot of mystery in life today. Just It just keeps getting more mysterious. What with the... Uh, X-rated cartoons. That's not mysterious. That's getting direct. We do have, you know, there's an X-rated cartoon. If you haven't seen it, it's called Fritz the Cat. That's that's a fact. <laughs> it's playing all the neighborhood theaters, friendly neighborhoods, and uh, uh, don't tell don't tell you know don't tell anybody. I didn't warn you. That's where it is. You know, speaking of uh, of mystery, now like today, see, yesterday actually this happened. See, I got this new shirt. You know, you get a new shirt, then. you don't think much about it. And I get this new shirt, see. And, uh, of course, one of the great fun things about new shirts is taking all the pins out. And, uh, yeah, there's always two or three. There must be a machine that develops, uh, you know, year by year, they develop new fantastic techniques to hide the last pin. <laughs> you know, that's a fact. It's really eerie. And, and every male I know has had the same fantastic experience. You know, it, like I, I have about eight minutes to make this this very important uh, business engagement that involves trillions of dollars. You know, the whole thing. See, so Shepard's got this new shirt. Well, it was it came all neatly wrapped and in cellophane, all sealed up there. See, and so it's just uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I had all these little signs all over the side, like ever pressed. Fantastic new double stretch ding dong material. So I go, I pull this thing off. I'm frantic. And, oh, I gotta go real fast. I'm pulling off the pins, one pin after the other. <laughs> and so finally, I shake the shirt out. Great, groovy. It looks like fine. So I start to put it on, and for some reason or other, my my right arm had become terribly withered. Uh, and I, I became you know like like a guy with with a bad arm. I, I kept putting my arm. What the hell's going on here? See. Well, I, I take the, the sleeve, I open the sleeve up, and it's perfectly clear. There's no problem there with any pins. So I try it on again. I think, what the hell's the matter? Is my, you know, am I getting some terrible disease that's causing my arm to lock in a curious L-shaped position every time I get it back like that? Well, I finally says, well, it must be starch in the shirt, see? So I put my arm through, I stretch, ah! I hear something rip. I've just ripped my new shirt right down the back. The great pin machine did it again. That was a clear-cut victory for the pin machine. That's the whole idea of the pin machine. Now you can hardly take that shirt back to, to the shirt place. <laughs> you know, they say, "Hey, this thing got a you know, I opened it up. I had a rip in the back all the way down." It's clearly, obviously, your fault because you can see it ripped sideways, and they know they have a secret diagram where the pins were. The guy said, "What do you mean you didn't take the pins out, you dildoc?" <laughs> but uh, you know. The pin machine got me. Well, <laughs> so, you know, this is part of the little mystery of the world. And I, I uh, yeah, one time I wore a shirt. It was fascinating. One time I wore a shirt for two days. You know, there are days when you have to wear a shirt two days, right? Even you'll admit that. I imagine even Nixon does that occasionally, you know, in moments of stress, right? Herb, have you done that? Have to admit that? Have you done that, Jerry? 
Yes, you have. Notice Jerry thinks about it, though. He doesn't want to come right out and say, yeah, i done it. Some guys just will not concede. So, nevertheless, I, I admit, I, you know, I, I was wearing this shirt twice. I wore this shirt two whole days. I thought it felt kind of funny sometimes, you see, because occasionally, you know, like your landing gear on your plane is down and locked. Well, my head would go up and be locked. <laughs> my head is up and locked. See? So I just figured, you know, it was a pretty, you know, pretty sharp collar, that's all. So after the end of the second day, I, I take this shirt off. So I take it off, you know, and I, oh, boy, you know, and I, I take the shirt off, and I, and I flip it out. See, I'm going to hang it up or throw it in the laundry or something, and out flies the cardboard. For two days, I've been wearing this damn shirt with the cardboard inside. You know the cardboard that goes inside of the collar? <laughs> no wonder all the blood stopped in my head about three times during the day there. My eyeballs started to pop out, and people said, what's the matter? Are you having a stroke or something? You know, you know? And, and here was this, this cardboard in there. Now, why did I do that? Well, this was a particularly sneaky shirt company. You curious why? Well, this shirt was sort of a like an off pink color, you know, that, that kind of double knit pink type shirt. They put pink cardboard in that son of a gun. Cardboard that matched the color of the shirt. Oh, I tell you, everywhere you go, they're after you. You know what I think it is? I think it's a, it's a concerted plot on the part of the, the right wing nuts and the left wing commies to uh, to dissolve the average man's ability to to actually believe his senses. I don't know who, I'm not, I'm not making any suggestion. I mean, it's them radicals. I don't care, right wing, left wing. They're working everywhere, they're plotting. This pink cardboard flies out. Well, I'm sitting there, see, with a pink cardboard. I don't know, you know, maybe it's, maybe basically I'm basically a poet. <laughs> That's a thought, isn't it? And I'm sitting there in my shirt, and out of the breast pocket tumbles this little tiny white piece of paper. It said, this shirt was inspected by inspector number 16. Well, there was a brief moment when I, you know, I had this feeling I'd like to get it. I'd like to get number 16's Adam's apple right between my thumbs. Just, you know, for about three minutes, his Adam's apple right between my thumbs. Because that shirt had not necessarily endeared itself to me since the left arm was three inches shorter than the right arm. Right from the start. Now, I'll admit I have a peculiar shape, but not that peculiar. Now, I don't know how Inspector 16 inspected it, whether he held it up. when what uh, You've seen those inspection slips. I don't know whether women get that stuff in their clothes or not, but every man has seen those little white inspection slips, you know, number 16. You know, for one brief instant, I thought I was going to jump up and rush to the phone, you know, and call up the shirt company and say, get 16 on the phone. Get that fink on the phone. I want to talk to that nut. You mean to tell me he's a professional shirt inspector and he can't even tell that one sleeve is three inches shorter than the other? Or, conversely, one sleeve is three inches longer than the other? Huh? Get him on the phone. And then, then, you know, that's the trouble. The, the, the world divides itself quickly into people who do and those who don't. Unfortunately, I'm one of those who don't. Halfway to the phone, I was stricken with compassion for 16. And I could see, I saw 16 then, suddenly just, you know, I could see 16 like on a Kodachrome slide flashed on the wall of my apartment. 
you know, with the cockroaches running around in the background. I could see him there. This little old man with these white, this white hair, this kind of fluffy white hair. I saw him. He had pink skin. So funny. I just saw him there for an instant. And he was wearing rimless glasses. And that poor old 16, you know, his eyesight has been failing. He's been faking it for years. And he's got this poor ailing wife who's withered with arthritis at home. And me, rotten me, I'm going to call up and say that son of a gun can't even tell a sleeve that's three inches longer from one that's three inches shorter. Get rid of that bum. Either that or you're going to... I have a suggestion what to do with your shirt. (laughs) It's an anatomical suggestion. But then I... I backed away from the phone. I wonder how many of you have this, this this type of weakness. It's weakness. It's weakness in this. How many of you are afraid to hurt the waiter's the waiter's feeding when they serve you this steak and, and you can see it's got a ked insignia right on it? You know, somebody has served you the sole of one of these one of these uh, ked boat boots. They put a little brown juice on it, and now you're trying to saw it away there with that rubber knife they gave you. And by the way, you'll notice that almost all restaurants of that type have flexible knives so that you think it's the knife that's not working. <laughs> Forget it. And then you say, oh, no, no. And so what do you do? You eat the damn thing, or at least as much of it as uh, your, your, your body will consume, you know, which isn't very much. The, the human body does not uh, work good on plastic. So you're, you consume as much as you can and then as you go out there's always Luigi this is, is, is everything all right what do you say yes fine fine they know that they know that out of every hundred people there's only two who will say here eat this thing yourself Luigi and use it for stopping a door here it is yeah, no the other 99 go out trotting into the rain wearing their uh pre-shrunk shirt, which has just shrunk four sizes in the rain, uh, <laughs> you know, to their new economy car, which gets four and a half miles to the gallon. You know, economy, as long as you don't worry about the paint peeling off, that's okay. And the chrome getting rusty the first five minutes you got it. It's economy, all right. And then the last moment, you know, I sit there and I see Inspector 16 on my, you know, it's just flashed on my wall. So I go back and I sit down for a minute, I look at my shirt, and then, by God, another 16 showed up. Another Inspector 16. Just that little white slip out of the pocket of my shirt, my new shirt, that said, Inspected by Inspector 16. She had these high cheekbones, dark lashes. She had fantastic, deep pools of passion for eyes. At the, I, I could see her. She was wearing a light green, like a body dress. You know that kind of that so soft, uh, uh, that jersey type scene. And she was supporting an aging mother. At the, due to the fact that she had a brief period of uncontrollable weeping, when my shirt came by, she was not able to see that one arm was three inches longer than the other arm. And her name somehow I saw her name is funny. Why I thought of her name as, as, as Lucy, I don't know. Lucy. She had some great name like Lucy de Marino, something like that. You know, she was just, just this, this fantastic Latin chick who uh, just was all heart, you know what I mean? All, you know what I mean, man, all heart, you know, all heart. And it was 
the right dimensions, you know. At the she, I sat there and I says, oh, my God. Well, and here I was going to call the shirt company and get Lucy fired. Why don't I call up and say, uh, would you get 16 on the phone? I want to talk to her for a minute. Look, Lucy, listen, uh, I know it's tough raising your mother and all that stuff. She's got arthritis, but with this shirt that I got, honey, why don't we meet down at the at the Beef and Fig Newton and we'll talk about it. And I'll tell you, I'd like to... I sat there for a minute. See, that's the trouble with the modern man. He's got high ideals, but very low resolve. And the two don't work good together. Oh, no, they just simply don't work well together. I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it's not easy being a... Can you imagine being in the second major crusade in the Middle East? And, uh, you know, you got fantastic uh, ideals but you're kind of gutless. You wouldn't get very far with the Saracens. Attila the Hun would just ride through you like hot butter. No good, you know. It's just no good. So I says, the hell with it. I'm going to get that shirt coming. I jumped up and I ran to the phone, see. I grabbed the phone. I had the phone in my hand and I dialed the first two digits. And another 16 was flashed. Flashed in the wall ahead of me. Just, I could see it clear, clear, 16. It was this skinny, sad, ex-drug addict kid who at long last has been given a job. He's been out of work for two years ever since he got thrown out of his high school in the Bronx. I sat down. I said, oh, God. Somehow, I, I, his name was Clarence. Clarence. And Clarence's first job, he'd just come on the job that afternoon. And the machine was pulling the shirts past him too quick. And somehow my shirt got by. And it was this terrible foreman looking over. Name is Bullard. And uh, all 16 had to do was to make one mistake, because Bullard was on him. In fact, Bullard was, well, Bullard was the guy that Archie Bunker studied under. Bullard was, was, was the patron saint of the Dildocks and the Yahoos the world over. Bullard is the kind of guy that says, I'll tell you what's wrong with all them hippies. All they need is a bat. You just put them on this assembly line for two hours, I'll straighten them out, give them a bat, and what they need is a haircut. And I'll tell you this about all them commie radical rents. I'll tell you... I see him looking over. Poor Clarence's shoulder. His first job. I said, what kind of a rotten fink are you, Shepard? So I I just took out the scissors, you know, and I cut three inches off the right sleeve. Didn't look so good, so I cut an inch and a half off the left. Now I got this sleeveless shirt, you know. I finally wound up up at the seams now. See, and I got this thing that looks a little like a vest. But uh, I wear it that way. I use it for a shower thing, you know. I put it on when I go in a shower and stuff like that. But at last, I know that I've done something. I've done something. Tolerance is where Shepard is. Tolerance. Truth, beauty, and love. So tonight, friends, let us uh, salute our own basic romantic gutlessness. <laughs> I have never in my life sent back a meal in a restaurant. Have you heard? You have. Yes, of course. You're an engineer. You're that type. <laughs> That's the difference... That's the difference. The engineers of the world, they, you know, they don't mind. 
It's a, the world is one vast machine, and it damn well better work right. If it doesn't work right, it goes right back to Allied Radio. That's it. It must be a great way to, to, to see the world, you know. And I've all, I, every time I think of sending back this meal in any restaurant, I can see it coming back in the kitchen, and this poor chef back there says, he didn't like it. Because Luigi says, no, he says, it's a rotten, it's no good. He says, but, but, and he starts to cry, you know. You're talking about, you know, a man's cooking. This is his profession. Or, you know, for years he's been trying to make a, you know, trying to make a decent hollandaise sauce that always curdles on him. I can't do it. I just can't do it. Please. That's called love. That's called compassion. It's also called being a damn patsy. Bring it on, Frank. Hold it, Herb. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, this is an exciting show, isn't it? Yeah, and I, you know, I, I still carry that little number 16. Slip around with me now. Someday I'm going <laughs> to... Wouldn't it be... Wouldn't it bug me if... If the real 16 suddenly appeared on the wall in front of me? And it's this little gray machine? <laughs> and it's got all these little hard-working, ineffective transistors... Let's see, we've got a note here for Huffman Coos, friends. Yes, Huffman Coos. In this time of our days, in this moment of our veil of tears, Father's Day is arriving. <laughs> it's never a very popular holiday, is it? <laughs> it's Father's Day. Hey, when are they going to... You know, everybody, there's Mother's Day, there's Father's Day. When are they going to have Kids Day? You know... Everybody lavishes. Of course, that's every day of the year in most families. So uh, anyway, it's Father's Day, and Hoffman Coos would like to suggest a Father's Day gift of a famous lazy, a lazy boy recliner. And uh, if that describes your old man, he may like this. Uh, it, it enables him to lie back or stretch out. He can count his toes and drink his beer, and he can do all this luxuriantly. You know, riffle through the pages of. Uh, TV Guide and all the other, you know, the serious reading he does behind the scenes with Chris Shanklin and all that. Huffman Coos has these famous Lazy Day Boys at special sale prices for only $189 in Mediterranean-style gold velvet. Actually, the copy says Vlevet. I guess that's, <laughs> maybe that's a Mediterranean, uh, Mediterranean cloth. Huffman Coos revolver charge. You can charge it. And you can get Daddy to pay later, you know. Father's Day gift. Sale priced. Lazy Day Boys. Our lazy boys are available in all 13 Huffman Coos stores in New Jersey, Nanuit, New York, and you can call 201-343-4300 for the location of your nearest Huffman Coos. You know, it's the season for them. You may bag one. They'll let you know. Let's see. We've got uh, Fritz the Cat. I just want to warn you. Oh, by the way, that would be an unbelievable Father's Day gift. Take Daddy to see Fritz the Cat. Yes, indeed. The first X-rated cartoon, Fritz the Cat. It's playing at flagship theaters throughout the metropolitan area. And if you have not seen Fritz the Cat, you have not seen the way cartoons can... <laughs> the, the, this, you know what it's about, Steve? You seen? No? Well, I'm not kidding. Fritz the Cat, I would suggest, is the beginning of an entire new thing in... It's hard to call animation cinema, but I guess it is, you know? Uh, and it is. It's genuinely a whole new way. It's, it's, let's put it this way. It's the relevant cartoon. I mean, if you can imagine a radical chic cat, that's exactly what Fritz is. And he 
swings every which way conceivably every every everything you can do all the way see and it's in color this is fritz the cat yeah he becomes a hippie he does it all did you know that yeah he, he, he it's a tour de force and you ain't toured many forces lately so i would suggest that you see fritz the cat that is if uh you know i, I i'm warning you it's x-rated now it's 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 at its second week flagship theaters throughout the metropolitan area good fine you know, I'll tell you, uh, we've completed them all, haven't we? That's scary. That's scary. That's uh, real scary. And listen, quit calling up for the address. Of what I'll, you know, I know exactly what's going to happen. Five guys are going to call up a minute from now. And it's, what did he say? Where do you write for the record? <laughs> listen, I'll tell you once more. If you're going to order that record, uh, you know, Gene Shepard declassified, just uh, address your check or money order to stagger a wing. Post Office Box 271 Village Station, New York, New York, 10014. That's it. Five bucks, cash or check or money order. No cash, no, no. I'm sorry. Check or money order. Now, you know, I, I don't know how to, how to, how to, uh, you know, how to, how to really approach this. There's certain things you can't approach head on. If you do, you're going to lose. Uh, you know, that when you approach them just like that. But I've wondered, I've, I've just wondered how much... Have you noticed that Ralph Nader isn't in the news as much as he used to be? Have you noticed that? Whatever happened to Bob Dylan? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how all of a sudden something really, you know, something is gigantic in the world, and then suddenly, bow. It's already... Nader is already part of trivia. I can just see in about two weeks, some guys are going to say, uh, all right, now you got three guesses. What is a nader? Because it's a nader. I know what a nader is. That's the thing you mash potatoes with, isn't it? A nader? Nader? No. No, no, no. That's a, a grater. Grater. No. Uh, all right. You got, well, got ten seconds. What is a nader? Nader, 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 nader. Neuter. No, 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 no. What is a nader? A Ralph nader. A Ralph nader. Oh, come on. They don't give names to them graters. And the <laughs> no, I mean it. This is the way our life is. Our world is. It's, it's, it's almost... It's... What what hit me about that was just, a, it seems like a few weeks ago, on every cover of everything, there was Nader. Suddenly he's gone. And he's he's joined that great pantheon of American folk heroes with, uh, you know, with Kay Kaiser and Tiny Tim and Harold Stassen. They're all marching together. <laughs> you know, they're all marching together. Uh, you know, speaking of Harold Stassen, there, there's, there's an interesting American phenomenon. And uh, you know who he is? Yes, I mean, he must wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, you're Harold Stassen, and you're available. And uh, <laughs> that's a terrible thing, you know. It's like it's like being available in anything, and the phone never rings. It's worse. That's the worst. I think that's the worst thing that can happen to a man. It's this, you, you know, people constantly write, and they say, Shepard, one great thing about you, you ain't sold out. Listen, friend, they ain't called. <laughs> No, seriously though, I'm just I'm being very serious here about that. I think many an many an artist retains his pristine honesty and purity because the phone never rang. They never, in other words, uh, uh, selling out implies that somebody's buying. That implies that some guy's there behind the wicker cage and he's got all them green things. 
at that. <laughs> but of course, selling out is a very interesting thing these days. It isn't. It doesn't mean what it used to mean. Wonder how many people have have recognized that change. Selling out used to mean money, but in an affluent age, money is available. So the new, ah, now you're thinking. Selling out involves new things today. And you know what is the most valuable thing in a vast, overpopulated world? Far more valuable than money. Because anybody can get a diner's card, you know? You got money, that's right. You know what it is? It may be the eighth deadly sin. You know, there are seven deadly sins. Lust, greed, oh, that's a goodie. Lust, greed, sloth, that's kind of nice. That's a good one. Gluttony, ah, gluttony. I think it may be the eighth deadly sin. Fame. Fame. I suspect in this age of media, fame is the ultimate price that anybody would do anything for. I think there are a lot of a lot of guys listening tonight that would sell their poor, aged grandmother to the shirt factory to take number 16 inspector's job to spend the rest of her life on her poor arthritic knees inspecting body shirts if they could get their own show. If they could find themselves on the cover of The Realist. Yes, that's the name of the game. That's where it really is. And I began to have that impression a couple of nights ago. I was down in Florida. And I heard all the uh, all the big uh, you know all the big demonstration leaders are already making it big on all the various TV shows down there. Every four years, their big show shows up. In the meantime, you know, during the four-year hiatus, it's kind of lean, you know, lean pickings. You start doing the little FM talk shows way down the dial, you know. But by God, every four years, there you are squatting right next to John Chancellor. Yes, sir. Fame, the eighth deadly sin. Yes. Wouldn't you like to be on the cover of Time, friend? Just, just imagine. Yes. You say you wouldn't? You're a damn liar. Every guy that yells, Oh, not me. Oh, boy, not me. I don't want none of that. This is a guy who long ago has realized he can't make it. And he's taken the only possible course. It's like the guy standing next to the water cooler, you know, who can't get the second-in-command job in the mailroom. He says, listen, man, they couldn't give me that job of president. Ah, boy, they couldn't give me that job. Yeah. <laughs> the eighth deadly sin. Let's sing it all out tonight, friends. Let's sing it out for what, it's, what it is and where it's at. F-A-N-E. Fame, fame. Oh, you beautiful thing. Fame, fame, Rasmus. And you can see Humphrey Bogart stalking across the stages, playing again. Yeah, it's the same old game. Yes. It's the same old game. It's the lust for love and glory. What if instantly? If I could press a button and instantly something on your radio set would turn you into Dick Cavett. Pow! Yeah, come on, what do you mean? I want to be one of the boys. I want to sit down here at Geno's and have cheese, boy, because... Oh, yeah? You ain't fooling nobody. This is WOR New York. Lester Smith follows with the news. 
Thank you.